Welcome to part one of Body Image. In this episode, Sabrina, Emily, and Parker discuss and challenge the misperceptions, myths, and discrimination that people framed as fat experience. The conversations begin with addressing terminologies. When we're having these types of discussions to like use the word fat for what it is, which is just a descriptor. Um, and like, I don't mind using that in like reference to myself, like that's totally cool. Um, because I think I, again, because it's like plus size over what, like what over plus over what, you know, mm-hmm. is kind of the, the train of thought there. Whereas like sizing, sh- like there shouldn't be a normal range. It should be zero to like 60. Like, you know, you should be able to close, get clothes in any size you need to cover your body in whatever aesthetic <laughs> and price point you need. And so, yeah, I don't have a problem with the term fat, like just purely as a descriptive term. And mm-hmm. like, whenever I use it, that's what I'm using it from. But I also like, for the purposes of discussion, like if that's a really loaded word in this like circle, like I don't mind using plus size either. Like, fat definitely isn't there yet, but I feel yeah. like that's, it's, it's too individual still, you know, yeah. and like everyone's experiences of fatness, like while there's a very common theme, like there's still the healing from it is so personalized, right? Spectrum of the words is just so large. Mm-hmm. Again, varying from person to person. Like today when I was talking to a friend, I said, I'm, I refer to myself as, oh, I'm just, you know, bigger. Mm-hmm. And no, that's not, I'm like, oh, that's, I don't mind that term at all. Yeah. And like, who gets to decide what's big and small, you know, like it's, yeah. it's so relative. Like if you get like my entire family in a room, like, yeah, I'm probably in the middle, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we're all, we're actually all pretty much the same size. <laughs> so like nobody's actually over anything in that room. Right. Like I actually was having a conversation with someone today, my friend who is from um, the UK, I think he's in London. And, and when I was mentioning to him, you know, it's the sh- mentioning a little bit about the struggles of being, you know, plus size. And he was like, oh, here, you know, body types are accepted. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's like, we don't really, he's like, I don't really care. You know, we don't really care here, you know, what size you are. And it was really weird hearing that. He was like having such a hard time understanding. He's like, it's so accepted here. You know, he, I, this was the weirdest thing, but it was so nice to finally hear that. You mentioned in the Google Doc, you said, I'm very anti-O words. Yep. Like obese and overweight. So can you talk a little bit about about terminologies? Yeah. Um, The word overweight is, like I said, over what weight? Like who decides what weight is, right? um, The body mass index was created a long, long time ago by somebody who didn't intend for it to be used in the way that it's used in the medical community now. Um, And so BMI actually has little to no um, actual scientific evidence that it gives us any information about our health. And so the word obese has been used on like as a BMI scale term and it's something that people get diagnosed with like it's on my medical records that my diagnosis is obesity and so that word has been used a lot by the medical community to stigmatize fat people to restrict the access to things for fat like sometimes even lots of fat people won't get access to um like wheelchairs and prosthetic devices if they have injuries or disabilities because they're like well you're not as active um or that you'll you know cause a lot more Um, damage to the product or whatever and it's not going to last as long and so instead of trying to make a product that works for somebody's body they are restricting access to it and the same goes for like issues within 
that if a, a thin person goes to the doctor and says, hey, something really new is happening. And when I walk up the stairs now, I'm really out of breath. Um, I need some help. I don't know what's going on. And the thin person gets sent for a battery of tests. They get um, like information from their doctor. They're informed on their medical care. And they may find that they have like a heart defect or something, and then they can deal with that in the moment. And it's something that gets caught quick. But then if that person goes to the doctor and says, Hey, fun fact, I can't walk up the stairs anymore when I used to be able to. And they say, well, you've put on a little bit of weight. So maybe get that off, you know, and that's the, that's the messaging. And then you miss the potential heart issue that had nothing to do with their weight. And so Words like obese and overweight are stigmatizing words and I don't use them. And when I use them online, if I do, it's always like with an asterisk, but I don't use them. Um, and it's something that is, I'd rather just say that I'm fat. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not over any weight that, that anyone's, but I mean, let me tell you, I went to treatment um, for eating disorder, like I mentioned in the doc. And when I went to treatment within my first two weeks, my weight did a big shift and now it has not changed in recovery. I have gone, I've stayed within the same range, um, for almost four years. And no matter what happens, if I'm restricting, if I'm having periods of relapse with my eating disorder, when I am really struggling or when I'm doing like the Christmas thing where you eat lots more food. So everybody gains weight at Christmas and freaks out about it. Um, I've experienced those things, but my weight has stayed where it's comfortable for my body right now in my life. And my weight will change as I get older. And um, our bodies change as we get older, just in general. Um, and instead of just being like, oh, yeah, there's your body. And this is what it is. And this is what it does. And look at that. It's like, oh, I'm overweight. I'm over an ideal that someone else has given me. And my body's ideal, based on the information I have from the science I learned in treatment and from the evidence from what I've been doing with my body over the last four years, um, says that my body's comfy here. Yeah, and it's wild that that's such like a strange concept for the broader community. It's radical. Yeah, because it doesn't it doesn't sell anything to say that your body's fine the way it is. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a radical idea to just love yourself. Like there was a study that was talked about in um, Dr. Lindo Bacon's first um, like kind of big health at every size book, which now has outdated information. So if you want to learn about the science stuff, read the book called Body Respect by Linda Bacon, but it's, uh, their name is now Lindo Bacon. Um, a trans person, a trans feminine person created all of this for us. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Lindo Bacon has done a lot of research. There's another person that co-authored that uh, second book with them as well. I don't know their name off the top of my head, um, but there's this book body respect and in the health at every size book the one that was a precursor to body respect they said there were two groups and one group was focused a lot on um well they had them doing dieting and they had them like staying on a diet meeting and talking about diet stuff and um it was very kind of from from what i read and what i understood it was very weight watchers e where you have meetings you go to and weigh-ins on stuff and then there was another group where they taught intuitive eating health at every size principles body image self-esteem things short term of course this group lost more weight than this group did but long term over the course of months these two groups had zero difference in weight loss and this group the group with body respect people um were 90 percent happier in the end, long term. So regardless of what you do to your body, it's going to go where it wants to go, but you can choose to follow a path that's going to make you happier. 
And that goes for thin people too. Like it's not just fat people that get to have body acceptance and body love it means that if a thin person is in like engaging in that kind of learning that they are aware of their privilege within that learning and within those spaces, even like, like small fats is what, it, what people get called kind of when they're on a certain level of the spectrum, but it's kind of in, in groups online, especially that will be focused on fat folks. It, there's like usually a disclaimer. that's like, if you're a small fat, understand the privilege that you hold in this group because you can still afford, or you can still be able to go out and buy clothing. It, it's something I think everybody can benefit from um, with the understanding that fat people are benefiting from it differently than thin people are benefiting from it. Yeah, like everybody can benefit from body positivity. We benefit from it differently than a straight-sized person would benefit from it. Yeah, because like these movements, like, like inherently exclusive. Like any, like like you're saying, anyone can benefit from them. But the way we design and use programs for them are inherently exclusive because like it's not, you know, straight-sized or small fat people who need some of the things that, like the resources that we're asking for that we're creating. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't an indictment. It's just a statement of fact, right? Um, but that's about equity, well, you know? When you're thin was the beauty ideal, and it's continuing on for hundreds of years today. Yeah. Well, and it's imperialist and colonialist too, right? Like, I feel like tribal cultures didn't have this problem where, oh, am I too fat? No, like you wondered if you were pretty, maybe. You know, but like fatness wasn't like it didn't consider you any more or less. I and like I'm open to correction on that, but like I like Western beauty ideals really changed and created the industry that like we know today is like the diet, the beauty, and the fashion industry. You know, and like these beasts are the ones that say the way you are, no matter how you are, isn't good enough. <laughs> and we have the exact product to fix you. And it's going to be $150 a month for you to maintain. And like, if it doesn't work, it's a personal moral failure on you and nothing else, you know? And it's like, it's a huge beast <laughs> now, right? Because of all of these compounding factors you know, tummy tucks and like things of the surgical nature and like getting the band and all these kinds of things and like how they just don't work (laughs) and about how like disordered your eating becomes and how disordered your thought habit, like your thought patterns become um, because you're trying to maintain this change and because you need to be, you need to lose so much weight in order to qualify, like all of these things, like it's so much mental energy and exhaustion it's just culturally accepted. I don't understand. I don't like mm-hmm. that, <laughs> you know? Like sculpting or cool sculpting. I think I've heard something like where they just stick a bunch of like vacuums to your stomach. I've seen a few people do it and I'm just like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> it's like, again, it's a personal preference. If you want to do that to, you know, improve, you know, the, your mental health and improve your self-confidence, you go ahead. But it shouldn't be tried to be pushed onto somebody else just because you don't like the way they look. I just like, and like, I, I'm totally with you, but then I just get so irritated when I think about how, like, is it really your choice to want to do that? Or are you just like going along with what you've been culturally prescribed as the treatment for whatever you feel is wrong with you? 
or whatever you've been told is wrong with you. Because those are two very different things. Like you might be like, yeah, I want this. But then it's like, buddy, if you went to a fat positive counselor for a couple of years, maybe you wouldn't feel this way, you know, like, and maybe you'd come to accept yourself just the way you are. And like, you know, it's totally your choice again, whether you even want to go through with all of that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's just so insidious the way everything has been set up to where that has to be such an ordeal where it has to be such a process, you know? And like, cause I'm trying to like think of like the intersection of like my queerness and my fatness and my fatness actually erases my queer identity straight up. I was never bullied in school for being gay. I was always bullied for being fat. And when I came out, everyone was supportive of my being like pansexual, but no one, but like, and no one bullied me again. It was just crazy that no one bullied me for that because they were all too busy bullying me for being fat, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't read as queer to other people again, because my fatness erases my queerness. And it's just like, I can't even compare the two in like the cultural mindset that I had to go through because the experiences were just so different. Weight Watchers. <laughs> I have such an issue with. Weight Watchers has always been an issue for me because it's just like, oh, we're going to reward you for getting to this certain point. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, that's great. You feel so shamed if you gain weight. So yeah, it's like Jenny Craig and a bunch of these other. And I know recently, I don't know if they're still doing it, but I feel like it might be Weight Watchers came out with a program for children, for kids, I believe, quite young. It was literally like nine-year-olds, I think. It was between it was like six started. and ten, I think, yeah. Yeah. It was like 10 to 15 year olds. Like it was, it was entirely too young. Oh yeah. Here. Yeah. It was, um, it was called Curbo and it was a weight loss app aimed at kids eight to 17. And it uses a green light, yellow light, red light system to indicate which foods kids can enjoy freely and should limit. And kids just feel so much like from a very young age, you already get that pressure on you to look a certain way, even at very young Like, I felt that from a very young age. So having this now, it's just like, it's like, you go to a friend's birthday party. Sorry, I can't have cake with you. That's a red light food for me. That just is just, creates disordered eating habits for these kids. Because a lot of people don't know that even if you're plus size, you can have disordered eating habits. Push yourself until you puke. And like, I don't care how bad it hurts. I don't care how tired you are because we've like restricted your calorie limit beyond what even like a dog should be getting in a day, right? Like it doesn't matter. You have to work, you have to fucking run this whole day on 1200 calories and that's it. No human being can run on 1200 calories, not a single one, <laughs> you know? But when it's, when we're talking about fat people, these things are encouraged. They're normalized and they're encouraged. And it's, it's a mm-hmm. disordered eating. If it was happening to a straight person, they would be put in a program and they would be forced to eat. That book, The Fuck It Diet, that I put in our resource list, like, that's the best one for looking at this topic because, like, mm. she goes in and she explains where all these myths about food came from. And, like, like the calorie thing in particular was the most striking example. Like, they did this experiment um, and they got all these voluntary participants, and they were all men, in a healthy weight range and they healthy weight range um (laughs) and they got them to like live in this apartment building and then they said okay like this group is going to eat this particular way they're not going to be restricted 
or no, they had everybody eat normally and they like recorded everything, tracked it. And then they started restricting them bit by bit. And like literally they watched mental health decline. They watched these men get super tired, like mood, um, grumpiness, their endocrine system shut down. Like they lost their sex drive. They lost like so much. And like one person was like threatening to stab another like, participant in the study because like he was so just like his body was shutting down and then they monitored these guys after they sent them home and within six months after eating normally all of them were perfectly okay again every single one (laughs) had recovered Mm -hmm. from that super intense low when they began to eat properly and so like how many mental illnesses in our like society right now are exacerbated because people aren't being fed properly and how many like fat kids are struggling because not only because they're being bullied for being fat, not only because they might have already other conditions against them, but then like, you know, racism, homophobia, all that good stuff, like poverty, but then they're also being like not fed, (laughs) you know? And like, how is that making things so much worse for all of these people? The calorie obsession never ended. Like it just bothers me because it's like, from a calorie perspective, it don't matter where you got it from, <laughs> you know, your body's going to use it the same, no matter what. It's all the like macros and micros and stuff that make a difference. But at the same time, counting them and keeping track of them and being obsessive over them is a disordered eating habit and like not conducive yep. to a healthful life either. <laughs> that was actually me just a few months ago that I was counting calories. Like I came across this app and it was like, oh, you know, just log what you eat for the day and it's going to count just like it tells you how many calories you can have in a day. And honestly, I never felt so unhappy in my life for the past like couple months that I was on the app. I was eating less than I normally would, even though I still had a very limited diet anyways with my loss of appetite. Kind of just I had that app in my mind 24 seven. And I'm like, oh, I didn't meet my calorie count for the day. Or, oh my God, I went so over my calorie count for the day. I have to eat so much less the next day. Like I, and then the moment I deleted that app off my, off my phone, I was so happy. I felt so much fr- more free to eat what I want. It's just like, there's so many like diet services I've seen, like considered so many of these and I've done so many diets over the years. And I'm just like, I felt the most happiest when I eat what I want. It's like when I went on vacation with my grandparents, Two months ago, I got a slice of cheesecake, best cheesecake I've ever had. And I was so happy. I was in my element. I was just like the pure joy that I have right now. And I don't, and I don't have a worry about what I'm eating. It's just the best feeling in the world. But sadly, I know there's also that side of how much I'm being judged for what I'm eating right now. But I'm like, I could care less right now. I'm happy. That's what's important. Because I've actually had recently, first year, when I was in first year, I had somebody taking pictures of me while I was eating, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm sitting there, and, like, I was already struggling the first few, like, first year of university. I was quite, I was struggling mentally, you know, just have, I hadn't eaten much, so I finally was just eating chips, and I could see some guy just taking pictures of me, so I'm just, like, that happens way too much, especially just being plus size. People take pictures of you all the time in a variety of settings, and it's just the worst feeling in the world. It's, like, I'm not... A freak in a circus. I'm a human being. Let me live. <laughs> it just adds on to that fear of public eating, which I still have. You know, I, I just 
being so insecure by myself and then having all this, you know, society's view about how you should look, it just added on to my fear of judgment, which is very severe and it is still very real. And I'm still trying to work through it, but it's like, I care way too much. And I am so concerned about what people think of me. Okay. Like if I'm out in public and I accidentally drop a little bit of food, I just feel like I'm gonna have a panic attack. Cause it's just like, what are people thinking of me? People, you know, what are they? And I, I always say, I'm like, not self-conceited. It comes from a place of fear yeah. and judgment. It's just like, I'm always worried about what I'm eating. Like if I go to the mall with my friend, you know, if we go for lunch, I'm always concerned about, okay, what am I going to pick? That's not going to look bad. I've had that thought. If you, I'm starting to, you know, care less, starting yeah. to live more freely, but it's, you know, you still have those thoughts of what are other people thinking of me? Because, like, I still worry about the little, like, if the way I sit in public, like, if I'm not sitting a certain way, am I showing too much of my body? You know, that's still a big one is that the way I sit, how much, like, am I showing, you know? And, like, you try to sit, like, hide away from everybody in the corner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it still takes, like, it's still a long journey working through that. And it's like, I'm starting to care less and I'm starting to become more confident, but it's still a struggle. I finally started to find like places where I feel comfortable. But again, there's a lot of places where I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. When we were in campus last year, I wouldn't eat around other people for the longest time unless there's like less people around. But if there's too many people, I wouldn't eat around them. It just made me so uncomfortable just knowing how I would be judged around other people. I didn't care how hungry I was. I'm just like, eat later. I'm not doing this around other people. Yeah, it's a tough one because like I definitely also had a phase like that where I didn't want to eat around other people and like I still get that way sometimes like I'll choose to eat <laughs> I'll go through a drive-thru and eat my car rather than go in mm -hmm. even if I have the time just because like that's my little bubble it's hard to deal with disordered eating on top of being an object for public consumption while you're just trying to live your life <laughs> you know and I feel like one of the, like the ways that I've been able to combat that is like, I don't food police myself anymore. Like I eat what I want when I want to and like try and follow some like intuitive eating principles. I refuse to food police others. And then like one of the in, like principles of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. So like, mm -hmm. are you eating a vegetable, a fruit, a protein and a carb at most meals? You know, yeah. that's the guideline kind of thing. Um, and so like at the youth center I work at, like, I would say that like me and like maybe two other staff, like kind of know a thing or two about like intuitive eating, but like, mm -hmm. I am definitely a bit of the ringleader on it <laughs> because I just don't, we have some kids who like really struggle and like who just like need that kind of support and need somebody to model that for them and so I'm just like very intentional about like they're like oh I'm so bad for eating all this and I'm like well like no you know you're allowed to eat whatever you want you know yeah. um, and like we have those discussions but then like when we serve food out of there because we have a kitchen we like we had a whole staff meet like part of our staff meeting about like when kids you know, are buying lots of candy and stuff like that, like, don't say anything about it. Like, just let them have it, you know? Yeah. Um, because reinforcing that shame and reinforcing whatever narrative they have going on, whether it's, like, intentional on your part or not, is harmful. 
we've been sneaking a lot of like gentle nutrition into things and like being intentional on our end, but the kids will never know <laughs> like that we added, um, that we made sure that like the food that we we're planning to serve, like hits all of those, those four like components. Yeah. Um, but like, it's up to them whether they want to eat it or not too. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and in what quantities and stuff like that. I'm really glad that you are putting those thoughts about intuitive eating and gentle nutrition into people's brains because they don't want the kids to get, to get fat. They don't want the kids to be unhealthy. Um, and they're all, I think, well-intentioned things, but they're causing long-term harm to our kids. This conversation reminded me of like something I witnessed um, at work. So I'm a relief staff. So there's like one house that I'll, I'll work at maybe only like once a month. And one of the, um, youth that live there um they've gained weight like since they've been in the house and I heard the staff like almost like making fun of him behind his back and being like did you see him like he gained so much weight since he's been here I felt like I couldn't say anything because I don't really know them and I'm never really there and I felt like pushed into a corner but it really upset me yeah that is upsetting yeah Mm -hmm. because like what if he had heard that like what is that gonna tell him you know, and how is that going to make him feel? Mm -hmm. Why does it matter if his body is changing? And why do you care so much? It it literally doesn't impact you at all. And like, why are you so afraid of like, him looking different? Yeah. And kids are coming into care sometimes out of poverty, where they don't have any food or they have very minimal food, and then they're in a space where they've got lots of food available to them, so of course they're going to eat it. The chances are that kid has already heard the staff talking about them like that. Like, they they take in more than we think, and the way that the staff probably treat them a little bit differently is probably enough that they don't need to explicitly say it out loud. Yeah, that, like, kind of reminded me of one of my friends at her placement. She said, we were saying, yeah, one of the boys, you know, he's been gaining a little weight and the staff are trying to figure out how he can lose weight. And I'm just like, with our age group, <laughs> they changed so much during these years. And so like, if he gained a little bit of weight, so what? It's not the end of the world. If he gained a lot of weight, it still wouldn't be the end of the world. It's unbelievable how, they, oh, they're little kids. <laughs> they're supposed to be going through, like, it's not only like, oh, it's normal for kids to gain weight. They're supposed to. Like you're, you're gaining weight because you're supposed to be sustaining your body. You're becoming an adult. You no longer need a smaller amount of food. You need a larger amount of food. And, oh, they're eating so much more now. They're 13. Well, and if our whole purpose as care workers is to like foster like resiliency and like help these kids with, through adverse situations and stuff like that, like we're not doing our job if we're being fat phobic, like full stop, end of story. You're not yeah. doing your job if you're being fat phobic towards your kids. Full stop. You're not, you're not teaching them resiliency. You're teaching them shame. You're not helping them become stable adults because you're not teaching them real facts about how to feed themselves, how to move joyfully, all this kinds of stuff. So like, yeah, I'm going to get fired up now because like <laughs> it's, it's neglectful. Um, it is neglectful. It's like, emotionally it's, and physically it's neglectful. Emotional and physically and socially neglectful. And like, that's just like, so not what we're here for. And yet, how often is that happening to the kids in care and the kids we work with all the time? It's not right. It's not okay. <laughs> like, 